Hello and welcome to another edition of the End Zone Podcast. My name is Eric Jensen and I'm a happy boy today because sports are just fully back. NHL starting tonight. Got that on the iPad to my right. Got Yankees Indians on in the background. In fact, I should probably turn that down so it doesn't get picked up over the mic. 1-1 and joining me today is a man who says he's emotionally detached from the Yankees but I don't believe that for a second I just know him too well it's uh it's Trey Watkins how you doing Trey all right I'm I'm totally all right nothing worse nothing better than he's totally all right that definitely sounds like someone who's not completely detached from the Yankees and and Garrett Cole, who couldn't even give the Yankees four shutout innings of baseball, which is sort of pathetic for the amount of money that this team is paying him. So that 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 was my major Yankees tank take of the day is that uh, Garrett Cole not, not very good, or or not as good as he was expected to be when they signed him for all that money. Yes or no? I mean, the easy answer is no. Dude's got pay, getting paid a three hundred and twenty-four million dollars to throw to throw croppers in the playoffs when the Yankees need him most, bro. So, no, he's he's been trash. If we're com- comparing his performance to his contract, yeah, does seem like uh, trash to mid is where I'd put Garrett Cole uh, in, in terms of uh, being a Yankees pitcher. That'll be on in the background. But here we are to talk about the NFL season. Trey, it's been a while. How are you doing personally? How has this NFL season been treating you? It's been treating me kindly. Doing a lot of more riding these days, which has annoyed me, I guess. But, you know, it's been fun this year. I will say that, though, because there's a lot more parity across the league. You don't know who's going to win each week. That makes for much more exciting matchups, so. I'm been I've been pleased by what I've seen about the league this year. You know, to me, I would say it's been kind of boring at points. Uh, some of these matchups have not been as good as expected, but yeah, definitely a lot of parity right now across the NFL. All right, here's what we're gonna do today. We'll talk about what we saw in Week Six. We'll obviously hit on the Titans for Team Trey covers very closely we'll talk about them and and where their season's at we will no doubt touch on a spectacular monday night football game we'll we'll talk a little bit of uh jets maybe i'm kind of interested to talk about the jets as well uh but before we do all that the unfortunate reality of the nfl is every year somebody loses their job and uh this year just happens to be Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, fired after three years on the job. Carolina under him just never was able to take that step forward. He was given kind of middling quarterbacks to work with, but the reality of it is this, Trey, like if Matt Rule was a great offensive coach and a a, a guy that system translated to the NFL I think we'd be sitting here and saying his offense had more success than it did because even though we see at this point that Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are draft busts 
like they're they're still mildly talented quarterbacks that should be able to give you more than Teddy Bridgewater did, who really outperformed everyone and was the best um, Panthers quarterback of this era of their football team. So it's unfortunately sayonara for Matt Rule as he is heading out. But hey, not a bad way to head out being owed $40 million that you're just going to get paid by the Carolina Panthers for the next few years. And you're probably going to make a crap ton of money to go back and coach in college. Matt Rule, thoughts on the experiment. Where where did you stand when he came into the league? I, you know, Matt Rule is a unique guy in the fact that this podcast has covered his entire coaching span. So I went back actually to the podcast where he got hired and listened to it. And man, oh man, Trey, I was very, very high on Matt Rule. So wondering how you felt about Matt Rule when he came into the league and just your general reactions to the Panthers moving on. Well, I didn't have too much thought on the whole entire situation when Matt Rule came because I wasn't all that familiar with the system and what he ran at Baylor, so I didn't really have any specific thoughts. But as I've watched the Panthers, unfortunately, watched the Panthers over the last few years, I've gotten a glimpse of what he likes to do offensively. And let's just say it sucks or it sucked because that offense was dead, like dead for the entire time he was there. Like You can't even excuse just, you say, lack of talent. He had some pretty nice talent over the past couple of years, except that quarterback. I mean, he traded for Sam Donald, who we all knew was not a good football player, uh, brought in Cam Newton, the corpse of Cam Newton, whose arm was dead uh, and couldn't really throw football anymore. Uh, and then he brought in Baker Mayfield, who, once again, is not a good football player. And they all showed how bad they were under his tutelage and under his system. So, I'm, I'm look, it sucks when somebody loses their job because nobody wants to lose their job. Everyone wants to have something that they want to do or a job that can bring them income. Uh, in Matt Rule's case, even if he, even, you know, since he got fired, he doesn't have to worry about that since he's getting paid an absurd amount of money to not coach um, a football team with a tone deaf owner and a weirdo, but it, it sucks when a guy loses his job, but gosh, man, his football teams were boring. Like that, they, they were just boring. You can excuse a football team when uh, they're at least grinding uh, and putting out the results. If they have like a team model like the Panthers have had over the last two years, which is a bad offense, but an improving defense that has some good pieces. But this team sucked. Like every time I had the unfortunate opportunity to watch this team, I literally turned off the game midway through the first quarter. And I would put on something once, watch some on my laptop. His team sucked. They sucked to watch. So, I mean, it is what it is. It happened. Um, and the Panthers are just going to have to move on and find somebody that can at least put a respectable offense in, you know, or put a respectable offense within this organization because. Aside from the Cam Newton days, maybe post-2010, this team hasn't had a good offense, like, aside from Cam Newton, ever. So we'll see what they'll do. We'll see what they do. Yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see 
what happens next for Carolina. It, it does feel like this needs to be a major rebuild because the, the real shame about the Panthers is they have talented players on the roster. Like DJ Moore, we've seen it throughout his career at other points when the Panthers offense was working. He is a Pro Bowl level wide receiver. We have seen it with guys like Christian McCaffrey putting up all pro seasons at at running back. They do have some valuable pieces. To me, it just feels like a lot of teams are going to be going after the backbone of this era of Carolina Panthers football, which are DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, maybe even a guy like Terrence Marshall Jr., who has shown some flashes over the years. Um, Just feels like some really good talent to be picked away from this roster at the trade deadline. And, and kind of, you know, it's, it's getting me a little bit hyped up. I think the trade deadline this year is going to be pretty cool because I think my Broncos and, and these Panthers and some of these teams that are really struggling right now might be looking to be sellers at the deadline. I don't, uh, I mean, Look, just just to go back on your last point, um, don't fall for the trap that is the NFL trade deadline every single year because I fell for it a couple times and I was left disappointed every single time. Big money, big crazy moves just don't happen consistently at the trade deadline. I always keep my expectations low. But yeah, I really yeah, and that's your point has really been exclamated over the past couple of days by many people connected to the league saying that uh pretty important Panthers personnel pieces could be moved. I mean, you alluded to DJ Moore, you alluded to Terrace Marshall. Um, some have even alluded to Brian Burns, who you could argue is the most significant piece that could be moved from the Carolina Panthers because he's just been one of the more underrated and unsung pass rushers and defensive players in the league over the last couple of years. So um, we'll see with them. Um, I know the Panthers desperately need draft picks because they've been trading oddly randomly trading draft picks for failed projects at quarterback uh, and rehabilitation projects. Like they traded a pick for CJ Henderson, which I, I still don't understand why they did that. Uh, but they need draft picks. They have pieces that can be moved. So that's certainly a development that should be monitored in the next couple of weeks leading up to the deadline um, for sure. Because I, I truly believe, you know, I don't know who it is, but one of those pieces are going to be moved. One of those pieces are going to be moved 100% just so they can get a quick start in this little rebuild they have to go through. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it does help the Panthers have their draft picks, you know, unlike a certain team I root for uh, it helps if they have their draft picks and it helps that this year, if it's going to be, you know, probably a two, three, three, four win season for them. Uh, they'll have a shot at one of these quarterbacks that people really like coming into the draft and, you know, they can build out the team the way, uh, the way they want to. So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out for the Panthers they become one of the first teams that becomes irrelevant in the NFL season as uh, they move to the side and begin to start the rebuild. All right, Trey, let's talk about week five. What a week it was. Lots of things going on. I have my, don't know if you can see it, my physical notebook here. Took a lot of notes, went through the games this this afternoon, and uh, there are a lot of places we can we can kind of start 
I, I really highlighted about four or five games that I was super interested in. Uh, would you like to start with your Titans? Um, Sure. I don't know why you would give me the great misfortune of doing that, but sure, let's start off with the Titans, man. You're you're low on them, I I know, and, and for good reason. Let me let me run through the list of Titans positives, though, Trey, because I I think that in your reporting, which I've read a lot of this year, I like keeping up with you. Like, I I, I understand being objective, and I understand being you know being critical and saying, hey, this team's not doing this poorly. But sometimes I think you're a little bit too down on the team. But Because here are some things I think they're doing really, really well. Derrick Henry, they're getting him involved in the passing game. We have not really seen them do this over the past few years. And we've not really seen Derrick Henry take on that mantra. But he has been very, very good in the passing game this year, especially on those screen plays where he, he gets ahead of steam going and, and gets down the field 20, 30 yards. He looks rejuvenated as a player and like a guy that's going to challenge for a thousand yards rushing again. It's, it's just hard to be critical of Derrick Henry right now because he is playing so well. And I don't think you are, but he's just one guy. I, I feel really positively about, I know the offense hasn't played a full, I know they haven't played a full game yet. And I know that they struggle in the third and fourth quarter sometimes, but I think it's notable to say they were able to, after they stalled in the third in this game, come back and get the offense going in the fourth quarter. And I thought that was a really positive sign. I mean, yeah, I was. Granted that Washington's defense has been disgustingly bad this year, um, even with their defensive line being so talented. I'll, I'll, I won't give as much credit there, but... I will say them finally scoring some second-half points for the first time since September 11th, certainly a good development. Look, I'm not I'm not being critical of Derrick Henry. I think Derrick Henry is literally the one of the more consistent backs in this league considering what's been given to him. I mean, year after year, he's consistently given a, a porous offensive line that – well, not a porous, I won't say that. Let's just say an inconsistent offensive line that fields – uh, maybe two or three starters that can actually get the job done and the other two that are either hurt or just can't seem to get the job done week after week. You know, even this year, he's running behind a patched offensive line. I mean, Ben Jones is good. Nate Davis is good, but he just missed the game. Um, the left guard spot is being occupied by a 290-pound undersized guard that either should be playing center or tied in. Uh, starting left tackle was out for the year with a knee injury. And even when he was playing, he wasn't all that impressive. Um, and the swing tackle who replaced Taylor Luan has had an, a pretty up and down three weeks since he's been slotting into the lineup. Um, I will give credit though, to the right side at right tackle, Nicholas uh, Petit Frere. He's been great. I will say that. Um, well, considering he's a third-round rookie and just got slotted into the lineup after Dylan Rayton simply couldn't win the job because he was bad at his job. So I will say he's been good uh, considering the circumstance, and he's certainly improving each and every week. The, the thing that I just have with this offense, you know, of course with the offensive line, it's the fact that it's just super inconsistent. I mean, it's a tale of two halves each and every week. I mean, we saw it in week one. The Titans scored 14 points in the first half. And the offense is rolling. Everything looked great. 
Then they went and took a nap in the second half, scored a touchdown that gave them a lead, but still went on another extended nap uh, and, and just lost the game. It was a consistent trend that's been going on ever since week one. I have no idea what's going on. I, I don't know what the deal is. Um, they they come out in the first half and they look great, but in the second half, they come out and looking like a, a team that doesn't even belong at the professional level. Just nothing works. So I don't see, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, but if they don't get it together, then, you know, considering that their schedule that they have in the second half of their season, they're going to get walloped. They're going to wallow. I mean, they play the Chiefs in the second half. They play the Packers. Uh, they play the Cowboys. You, you're going to have to start picking it up at some point uh, because if you don't, you're going to be in trouble. So that's really the only thing I'm critical of for the Titans right now, you know, most of the offense. So, I mean, I guess we'll see what adjustments the staff makes after the bye week because there certainly needs to be some. But right now, this just looks like a highly flawed football team like we all thought it would be after they traded A.J. Brown and seemingly gave off the impression that this year was going to be a slight semi-medium rebuild here, offensively, that is. Yeah, I, I still think that think Nick Westbrook-Akine makes plays every week. It doesn't make sense, but he is a player. He is a real piece, as is Robert Woods. I just think they're going to get it figured out. And and Trey, we we can get to it a little bit later, but they're, to me, they still need to be the favorites for the division. I get the Jags have some hype around them, but like after the way Trevor Lawrence has played the past two weeks and like we've seen what can happen – with them they are not a fully formed team they they do not have the veterans and the nfl experience that the titans do to me the titans are going to run away with this division still even if it's close most of the year like i would not be surprised if they have a two three game lead for the division by the time you know we get to that stretch run of the season when thanksgiving hits that's just the way I feel about the team. I think they're going to be fine. And I think it's largely because of the defense. Because the defense feels like a group you do not want to see two weeks from now. Because every week they're getting a little bit better and getting a little bit more coherent. And their front is getting pressure, even with the huge injuries they're dealing with. They are a good defense that is only getting better. That is going to be scary when you need your defenses to be scary when November hits. Yeah. And that's really the one thing that I'm just not really, you know, I won't call it concern. I mean, I'm not really worried about this defense moving forward because this defense, I mean, of course it had his week one problems and week two problems. And that was when the bills went on the road to LA uh, in week one, whooped up on the Rams and whooped up on the Titans in week two. But this Titans defense really just starting to find a stride. I mean, like you said, they've had a lot of injuries on that side of the ball. I mean, they've lost one of their starting inside linebackers. One of their starting safeties has been out for two straight weeks uh, due to a concussion. I mean, one of their best corners, if not their best corners, missed the game already this year. I mean, Bud Dupree, who's a starter, he's been in and out of the lineup with a hip injury. I, I mean, this defense has been riddled with injuries from top to bottom, so – uh, once these guys start getting healthy and start, you know, getting back into the groove of things, this unit is going to look like the unit we expected it to look like coming into this season. Um, and, of course, I, that will be a, a real big help for this team moving forward, especially if the offense 
you know, somehow can't find a way to start looking respectable on the field. I I believe I like the Titans. I think they're well coached. I, now, are they some AFC contender? Probably not. But I think again, this is a team that's going to make the playoffs and have a shot in January. I just just feel that way, and I I understand your concerns with the offensive line, but I just feel good about the Titans moving forward. They're they're not flashy. They're not super fun to watch, but they get the job done, and they're going to win a lot of ugly close games and that's just something really well coached teams do which is what they are and hey if the offense doesn't really click this year you have Malik Willis like you can transition over to him use your draft picks to draft weapons this year there's going to be more great receivers coming out this year as there are every single year you can reload the cupboard Traylon Burks hasn't played a ton but he's looked good when he's played so you know I I, I feel I feel pretty good about the Titans' long-term future. I, I I think they're an organization on the right track, personally. Yeah, I think so as well. I will just say and add this before we move on. Um, the idea of winning gritty and winning ugly close games is fun in the regular season, uh, but they usually don't translate over into the postseason because a lot more variables are in play. And uh, we see how we saw how that happened last year with the Titans, where. You make a couple mistakes simply, you know, whether it's turnovers or miss a tackle here and there, you're going to be out of the playoffs. So uh, Titans going to have to start finding ways to win games more. I you say, I guess you could say convincingly and start putting out some tape and examples that they're not solely a gritty, ugly football team that wins gritty, ugly games. Because I, you know, that's just my personal opinion. It just doesn't translate well at all. Gotcha. Well, let's move on from the Titans. That's a lot of Titans talk for this podcast, but that's why I have you on. We occasionally like to check in with Trey and where we're at in Titans land. So glad the Titans are are, are figuring it out, even though they may not be the biggest contender uh, long-term. I'll, I'll throw this to you then, Trey. If you had to, you know, who are you most excited by in the AFC when you think about contenders? And maybe we can talk about them a little bit next because there are only really three teams to talk about. Yeah. I mean, of course the bills, I, I mean, the bills are just exciting to watch every single week. I mean, uh, I mean, you got that, that offense, the Fon Diggs, Gabe Davis, who I just love watching Isaiah McKenzie, who's great. Uh, and even though the running game is led by, um, um, I guess you could say, a committee, it still gets the job done at times, and it helps out in the passing game as well. So I like the offense. That defense, though, is what's going to be scary over the next couple of weeks, maybe over the next couple of months, uh, because they still haven't gotten Tredavious White back. Uh, the Bills have been throwing out so many, I guess you could say, uh, random bodies out there at key spots defensively that that seems to go under the radar the bills have been winning despite that and they've been winning some convincing games despite that as well and tough games so uh, once they get your Davies white bag once they start getting healthy um i i really think that defense could really start to put its strangle on its opponents in the afc and start to shake some things up I know Micah Hyde's out for the rest of the year, which is unfortunate. I know Jordan Poirier's going to deal or still dealing with some injury issues. Uh, But when Jordan Poirier's on the field, he's a real good safety. And when Tredavious White is on the field, he's literally one of the best cornerbacks in football. So um, let's watch that defense get healthy, and it's going to start to scare some people over the next couple months. 
Let me give you a name of a cornerback for them. It's not Trey White that's playing really well. Kyir Elam, this guy, the guy out of Florida, did not play early because he he lost his job to Chris Benford, I believe, is is the is his name, who was a six-round pick, who played really well before he fractured his hand. He's still dealing with that. But Kyir Elam has been absolutely fantastic these past few weeks. And I think he's going to be a real player for them. They just, you know. And they find these guys like Khalil Shakir this week. Uh, kind of these like late late round draft pick guys. The Bills are just a great front office. They're, they do a wonderful job at, you know, Billy Bean is maybe the best GM in football because, I mean, Khalil Shakir, nobody knows who this guy is. And then he comes out this week and, and has a touchdown and over 90 yards receiving. Like, you put decent players around Josh Allen and you're going to have a lot of success. And I'm with you on Gabe Davis. Gabe Davis this week, those catches he made, I know it's only like two or three, but those are just Madden catches. Like when you throw up the ball and you say, oh yeah, I'm going to hold down Y on my Xbox controller for this aggressive catch and just go one-handed. Like this guy's just a beast. And I mean, adding him to Stefan Diggs and still, it's crazy. Stephon Diggs gets double covered, but he still winds up with 10 to 12 catches every game. It's crazy. I And I think Ken Dorsey, for as much love as Brian Dayball got, I think Ken Dorsey needs to be the first guy hired if you're looking for a new NFL head coach. This offense has been just absolutely dynamic this year. Oh, not to mention James Cook is starting to get more touches every week. And when he does touch the ball, he usually takes it like 50 yards for a touchdown. So it, it's it's pretty exciting what's going up up in on up in Buffalo right now. Sure is. Um, I really want to see um, if the Bills actually start, you know, at least exploring the idea of adding some more weapons offensively, specifically at running back. Um, over the next couple of months, I don't know if the Bills are going to be, ex- you know, extremely comfortable with their running back room moving forward, especially if they want maximum efficiently offensively. So that's one thing I'm really looking out for. And I'm, of course, the obvious target is Christian McCaffrey from the Panthers, but. I don't. I think that's going to be hard to come by, considering the money he's still owed. And I don't know. You know, I'm not familiar with the bill or Buffalo's cap situation. So, um, just seeing a Buffalo will add some to the running back room. Um, I know they've added and invested a lot in there. You know, of course, you have Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, and James Cook. Uh, but you, I think you could work around some of that, um, especially with the idea of Zach Moss. Or, or maybe even Devil Singletary or, of course, James Cook, who's, you know, mostly used as a uh, passing option, really, to find good passing option out of the backfield as well. So uh, I, I'll see – I want to see in the next couple of weeks, see if the Buffalo Bills are interested in exploring that, honestly. Interesting. Yeah, definitely something to keep an eye out uh, for as, as, as we move forward. All right, two Steelers notes because I, I do have Steelers notes here. Uh, this defense is just a mess. It's just a mess right now. Like, we usually think of the Steelers as, like, terrific, like, hard-nosed defenses that figure it out. I don't know if they have the players to do that. Like, their secondary is bad. Like, really, really bad. And not having T.J. Watt hurts their pass rush. 
a ton. You have weird retweets and unretweets by Cam Hayward. Like, it just feels like that whole group right now is not cohesive and might be a real issue for them the rest of the year. And that's just something we're not really used to seeing from a Mike Tomlin-led Steelers team. And obviously, they're not going to you know do anything crazy. But this might just be the one year where the Steelers just have a bad a bad defense. And I think we're seeing that as the season's played out. Yeah. And I think that solely contributed to TJ Watt being out. I mean, it's crazy how much of an impact the guy has on this defense. Um, of course, you can't understate the impact he has because he's arguably a top five player in the league and arguably the best pass rusher in all football and a top two defensive player uh, right behind Aaron Donald, in my humble opinion. Uh, but gosh, I seriously didn't think he had this much impact on the defense to where if you took him out the lineup, this defense would completely just fall apart. I mean, this defense was getting sliced and diced by the New York Jets. The New York Jets don't have a, a particularly good offense. I know they had a good performance against the Dolphins, or at least on paper they did, but you should not be giving up 40 or not 40, excuse me, a whole bunch of points to the New York Jets offense in the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, so I think that's really where it lies. They simply just don't have the pass rush to mask the deficiencies that they have in the secondary. That's a luxury that they've been afforded over the last few years when TJ Watt is healthy. Um, and we saw, you know, the examples of that when that defense literally carried that team to the playoffs last year. So um, if T once TJ Watts gets, gets back in there um, and that's an, if I don't know how effective he'll be since he has a torn peck, which still, I don't know how he's going to try to play through. Uh, but if TJ Watt can come in there and be effective, then I think that defense will start to show the levels that it has over the past couple of years. But um, until then, this defense is just going to stay poor like it has been in the past couple of weeks. And they're just going to have to deal with it. So that that's really my take on how I view it. Offensively, Kenny Pickett going up against a loaded defense is not a great thing. Um, made, made some nice throws still, and, and I, I see why people are high on him. Here's, here's the guy to watch over the next few weeks, George Pickens. Because with a quarterback that's willing to throw the ball downfield, this guy just keeps making plays. He just keeps making big catches every week. And eventually, it's just going to become a thing where he's putting up 100 yards a week because that he put up 95, I believe, on Saturday. And he is just a really, really dynamic target right now uh, for the Steelers, who have a ton of weapons. Um, and if, if they could ever get their offensive line figured out, uh, which has also been awful this year, man, oh man, could, I think this offense could be dynamic. They just have so many good wide receivers. Yeah. I'm not really interested in investing in the Steelers offense right now because Matt Canada still leaves it. Matt Canada is one of the worst offensive coordinators I've ever seen in the modern history of the league. So, um, can you pick it? George Pickens. I think that connection will actually be somewhat exciting because I love, and I mean, I love watching George Pickens thought he could have been a target for the bears in the draft, but gosh, he's fun to watch, but 
I'm just not investing in this offense until I see some sort of miraculous change from Matt Canada or he's moved out of the play caller spot because he simply isn't doing this offense any favors. Yes, indeed. Oh, update for you. Aaron Rizzo just went yard. Um, Anthony Rizzo, not Aaron Rizzo. That's just an amalgamation of the Yankees' two top lineup superstars. But there you go, Trey. They're up 4-1. Yeah, I'm not even watching the game right now because my Roku, my TBS Roku app decides it wants to completely crap itself right now. Oh, that's too bad. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. I want to talk about the Jets because you just said something during that that kind of irked me. You said the Jets don't have a good offense. What makes you think that? Like, they're not the Bills. They're not the Chiefs. But they have a good offense. Brees Hall is a dynamic NFL football player who seems to make plays every week. Garrett Wilson is a real threat. Elijah Moore makes a good play each week. Corey Davis has his spot as the deep threat of that offense. And Zach Wilson, although he hasn't been spectacular over the past few weeks, I heard this one time and I'm stealing it because it's just the way I feel this from Greg Rosenthal. The thing that sets apart quarterbacks that you know can make it in the NFL is that they hit the layups and Zach Wilson just hits the layups. He doesn't miss open throws down underneath. He hits the players in the mid range. He does the short stuff well, and eventually the verticality is going to come to this passing offense and i know zach wilson wasn't spectacular but what are new york jets fans expecting from him because if they think they're getting josh allen that's just the wrong expectation to have zach wilson has and always will be a good point guard who moves offense as well who can hurt you with the play action game when he gets a shot to and so far in the nfl we've seen him do that this year they just need to get those play action deep shots dealed up for dialed up for him and and he'll be a a player there i think wilson is right now a middle of the road you know top 15 top 16 type quarterback and i think that's what the jets you know needed and with a defense that is really, really good, that has players like Sauce Gardner, which, by the way, I'm giving Sauce all the sauce because that guy's incredible. I, I was wrong. I kind of was like, oh, this guy's overhyped coming in. Totally wrong. He's just a really great corner. There's no way to deny that at this point. I'm just saying, Trey, you need to be putting some respect on the New York Jets because are they, an, are they an AFC contender? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What the Jets are is a competitive team that are going to be hard out for every team in this NFL for the next 10 weeks and a team that's probably going to end up with anywhere between 8 and 10 wins. And that might be good enough to be a wild card team. Who knows? I I, I just think that your disrespect for the Jets, I, I just won't let that fly because they are a real team now. They are competitive and they are going to be competitive every week. Yeah, I'm not putting a lot of investment into that because your investments and your little predictions and your hype little statements, they come at the back on you more times than not, Eric. So I'm not just going to put all my I'm, Keep down on the Jets. But that, just not- I guarantee you they will cover in every game they are not favored in. 
this I year. don't care about betting stats, man. I care about well, that's that's also a good way to show that these game that the games they'll lose will be close. Like they they are going to be a competitive team this year, and they just haven't been in recent years. Joe Douglas has knocked it out of a park with these draft classes. You how many weeks until you start giving the Jets some respect? Um, until they stay competitive against teams that aren't the Steelers. Okay, so if, if they go ahead, if they go ahead and they go into Lambeau next week and they win or they lose by a touchdown or less, are you gonna finally say, "Man, look at the Jets"? No, because the Packers barely won against a third string Bailey Zappin and offense is a train wreck when it comes to throwing the football. Man, no, they're gonna stay competitive. Uh, I'm just telling you, they're they're we a competitive team. We will see. They're, they are a competitive team and, and you know, a good team. That's just, just the way I feel about the New York Jets. On the other side, uh, the Dolphins might be kind of in trouble if they don't let Tua or Teddy play this week. Uh, yeah, Scholar Thompson is just not a good football player. Man. Yeah, like, they need to, like, win these games if they want to stay competitive in that division. And they, they might not have their top two quarterbacks, which is a, a real issue for them. And you can just see the, the offense just does not work with him, with Skylar Thompson. Is that his name? Skylar Thompson, yeah. Yeah, at, at, at quarterback. So, hopefully – the fans get their quarterback back this week. One of the two, either sounds unlikely on Tua. We'll see what the new concussion protocol says with Teddy, which I think maybe they overcorrected a little bit, Trey, because technically Teddy Bridgewater didn't have any concussion symptoms, but because the independent neuro doctor saw something like a, a tick or something, he, he benched him. If we're just going to start benching players willy-nilly when they get knocked a little bit, like, well, are are you – if that happens to, like, Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game, are we taking him out of that playoff game? Like, this seems yeah. like a really kind of ticky-tack rule that could kind of come around and hurt some teams. And I, I'm all for protecting players from concussion. I think stricter concussion protocols are good. But if players are not concussed – and they've just been hit hard in the head, then, and they feel, and and the key key phrasing here, if a player feels well enough to play, they should be able to play. I don't, I don't know, man. That, that, that's I don't know the, either. I, I don't know about that take either. I, I just feel like we might have overcorrected a little. No, they did overcorrect it because they uh, were a little bit too hasty in changing the language. Uh, because of how they handled the whole Tua situation. And, of course, they needed to change the language and a little bit of the process after the Tua situation because they botched that in the most unbelievable way possible. Uh, but the way that they sort of tweak some of the little things and they're giving independent neurologists a lot of control on these games, um, it, it's hard for independent neurologists who are really just up there overlooking the field to get, or 100% of the time, get an accurate view or representation of if a player needs to come out because of potential concussion symptoms. Now, so. you're closer to NFL programs than I am, but I think they let them down on the field. Oh, they do? Okay. Yeah. If I, I would imagine. Yeah. 
if they I, let I, him down on the field, then that makes a lot more sense. But even still, it, it just it just feels like it's a little too over the top, I guess I could say. That feels even that still like still feels wrong to say because you don't want to be like say, oh my goodness, okay, calm down on the whole concussion launch. Like, no, I, I don't want to say that at all. I, I just think there has to be a fine balance between being, of course, cautious because concussions are very serious, but also being reasonable in the point where you're not taking a player off the field uh, because you're being overcautious and taking players off the field when they could be playing when they are fine uh, and they can contribute to the team. Because when that happens, we start getting uh, some pretty unhappy people, fans, coaches, uh, players. So I, I think that's where the balance has to be. And I think that's where the NFL has to find it over the next couple of weeks. Um, granted that the NFL never actually does the right job in terms of finding balance between important rules, like let's say roughing the pastor, but uh, the NFL has to find a, a balance between those things because we can't have players being taken off when they can play, they don't have symptoms and we're just being overcautious because we need to remember, first off, football is a violent high collision sport. Injuries are going to happen, of course, and, you know, head injuries unfortunately do happen. Uh, but you can't be overcautious in this game and just taking players off the field uh, and ruining the product because you're being way too cautious. So NFL has to find a fine balance over that. You know, if they do discuss further, you know, I guess you say uh, tweaking the rule over the next couple weeks and months, uh, we'll see. But there has to be a fine, fine uh, a fine, a fine, excuse me, balance, uh, because we just can't have, you know, what's been going on, you know, especially what happened on Sunday with Teddy Bridgewater. Absolutely. Let's just stick on controversy talk for a second, because the other big story of this week is roughing the passer. Um, obviously, the call in the, the end of the Falcons game, Brady Jarrett wraps up Tom Brady literally at the waist and like kind of swings him to the ground like you're supposed to if you tackle in football and Tom Brady kind of looks up does these little whiny Tom Brady eyes and says oh come on where's the flag man and sure enough flags come out roughing the passer and uh the Bucks end up winning that game and then can you explain the Monday night football one a little bit I did not see that one as clearly that one was a case of a referee being way too hasty with the flag because the play was Chris Jones was trying to sack their car and he tried, you know, he didn't. And I think the flag came out because it appeared Chris Jones, quote unquote, went or left or put his full body weight on top of the quarterback when he was trying to finish the sack going to the ground. Now, looking back on it, it certainly didn't look like he just plopped all over the guy and tried to hurt him. That's the intention of the rule, especially in the modern NFL, which is to protect quarterbacks and prevent teams from having to throw up backup quarterbacks, which we could, which could hurt scoring uh, and in part hurt the product. Um, the NFL is just not, and it hasn't had a good handle on the balance between egregious like roughing the passer penalties and 
plays that don't warrant those flags uh, because these referees see the plays in full time uh, and they can't really, you know, go back on their decision if they made a wrong decision because they just can't do that. They have to, you know, it's it's a lengthy process and would lengthen the game and the NFL doesn't want that. Yeah. So I, I would I say as someone who watches like the Premier League and stuff, you do not want VAR in the NFL. Exactly. Like you, you just, you do not want to make everything reviewable by video because it's already crazy enough with scoring plays and turnovers. If you threw this in there, it, it'd be nuts. But at what point are, are we going to stop? Like, I get that we want to protect quarterbacks and I'm a quarterback guy. You know me, Trey. I love quarterbacks. It's my favorite thing about football. Mm-hmm. But eventually, like, I guess if, like, either don't call this this way or just do what you're really trying to do. Just say, all right, it's two-hand touch for the quarterback. You get two hands on him, he's down. Yeah. You know, like, that. that's kind of where we're going at this point. Like, and and that's not going to be fun to watch. You know, it's 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 not going to be good. But I mean, if Grady Jarrett's tackle there, if that's roughing the passer, what else can you do? That's like yeah. the num- That's the best way to sack the quarterback. He's not slamming him down on his shoulder. He's not going head first. He's just making a sound and safe football move. And if you can't do that, then what's the point of having the contact sport at all? At that point, make the rules different for the quarterback. Give them a flag, you know, tag them, what, whatever you want to do. But until until they cross the line of scrimmage, when they become, you know, that's another thing that bugs me is like, you know, these roughing the passer rules, they're set up to protect dudes like Tom Brady, but you can go out there and you can go flatten Lamar Jackson as soon as he takes off. Like, it seems like an unfair advantage for old school pocket passers. And, you know, it. it's just, and it's who gets these calls too. Because if you're telling me Lamar Jackson gets that call, you're absolutely crazy. Only Tom Brady's getting that call because he's Tom Brady. And it's just, it's not fair. It's not, you know, a competitive, it's a competitive disadvantage for the other team. And it, it it's stupid. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm fe- yeah I'm with you. I'm fed up about roughing the passer and and all that stuff because honestly, the Falcons were going to win that game. That that offense. And by the way, just a shout out to your guy Arthur Smith. Very good head coach. He is. I think he's a very good head coach because the Falcons should not look the way they do. They are they the least. Not. They are the least talented roster in the entirety of the NFL and they get off the bus every week and they physically dominate the line of scrimmage on defense Mm -hmm. and they play hard nosed football and their offense works. And Marcus Mariota looks like a starting NFL quarterback. Like, I, I don't know, man, like, it should not be this way. And they may not win a lot of games this year, but it's going to be very, very close. And I wouldn't be shocked if they won five or six. So they should have won this one as far as I'm concerned. But yeah, yeah. it's it's just, it's it's a mess. It's a mess it right is. now in, with roughing the passer. It is. And 
and like I said, the NFL is just going to have to find a balance or stick with what it is and uh, embrace it and really just, you know, uh, just push the point that, you know, these human referees, they make mistakes. Um, and if they make mistakes, I mean, you're just going to have to deal with them because that's just the way it is. I mean, if a playoff game ends like this with a bad penalty, NFL isn't going to say, okay, hold on. We're going to replay the game starting from that penalty and see how it plays out differently. No, I mean, it's too bad, you know, too bad. Try again next year. So uh, that's the way the NFL makes money. That's how the NFL keeps people talking about them. Uh, it's not, you know, entirely 100% on the product, but on controversy as well. It keeps people talking. So um, that's just the way it's going to be moving forward unless, you know, we somehow just – uh, get some weird system where it helps referee helps referees correct their bad decisions on the field. Yeah, well, we we move on from that. All right, Trey, I, I've I've led most of a conversation. We'll, we we've gone about the length I want, but we haven't talked about much actual football stuff going on in the field. Let's rapid fire, just go back and forth for a little bit, and, and do some take soup. You know, talk about some takes that we're we're interested in having this, this NFL football season. And I'll let you go first. Um, well, I want to throw out one take really. Uh, and it's the fact that I'm not really all that impressed by the Ravens. I'm just not really, I'm not really all that impressed. I mean, their defense is still playing some reasonably good football aside from the meltdown that they had against the dolphins. They're playing some reasonably good football, uh, but they have a choking problem, and I don't think I've seen this in the John Harbaugh era. What are you talking about? Everything you have said for the past 30 seconds has been wildly wrong. I mean, wildly wrong. I mean, the Ravens have had multiple. Uh, they won I, this week. Did you respect, not watch the game? They won. I'm in not clutch talking situation. about the last week, Eric. I'm talking about previous weeks where the team blows leads especially at home, blows leads, and they lose games. Circa Dolphins and Circa Bills, Eric. That's what I'm saying. I, I know. I, I just feel I feel differently. I, I feel like they got unlucky, and they ran up against really good teams in those games, and they've been competitive. And by and large, this has been Lamar's best season at quarterback, and their offense has oh. looked dynamic. And he had one bad week last week, and everyone's over course correcting, saying, "Oh, same old Ravens. They're just going to get knocked out oh, in the division." I, you didn't even let me finish my point, man. I know. I was going to say yes. They have a choking problem. Their offense still looks fine, you know, despite Lamar Jackson, or not despite, um, still looks fine. Lamar Jackson is playing exceptionally, exceptionally good football that should land him a deal if the Ravens were smart. Uh, but the Ravens just haven't been all that impressive over the first five weeks. That could change 100%. Notably, these Ravens teams under John Harbaugh, they're really good. They can stack up against the best teams in the league, and they can give you a run for your money no matter who they're playing. Uh, they shut down. Well, I wouldn't say specifically shut down, but that defense looked really, really good against the Bills. And, and, you know, except for maybe the in, in, in part of the first half and the second half. Uh, but even then, they still held that Bills offense to a respectable amount of points. 
So I'm, but, you know, even despite that, you know, they've looked really unimpressive in key moments during most of their games this year, which I'm not saying it's going to stay that way. But right now, I'm just not all that super impressed or enthused by the Ravens right now. That's what I'm saying. Listen, I feel completely differently. I, I, I'm enthused and excited by the Ravens. It's just the way I feel about the Ravens. And I'm just also just a fanboy. I'm just a fanboy of Lamar Jackson, and I just want him to get all his money. And I'm just going to openly – root for the Ravens I get that this week was a little rough I get that but like they're gonna figure it out they're the Ravens they're well coached and and your criticism of John John you don't think John Harbaugh's earned a little bit of a leash to have some weird games here and there like he's I'm one not of the criticizing best coaches in the NFL. period man I'm just criticizing some of the bad play and the, and the and the oddly consistent pattern that they've had so far through five games Eric Okay. I'm you taking you putting words in my mouth, man. I know, I know. I'm bad at that, aren't I? Bet you yeah, don't, maybe a little bit. Bet, bet you don't miss that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's go, Chargers. Uh, wow. I mean, God, just, I'm annoyed by them. Just wow. Like, there's. I guess this is good for me as a closet Chargers fan because typically this is a game the Chargers lose, like. Nine times out of ten, the Chargers lose this game because it's just what the Chargers do. But they get super lucky with a missed kick at the end. Their defense got absolutely toasted by Jacoby Brissett in the first half. Just wrecked. Like, unbelievably bad. And I get it, Trey, like analytics nerds fell in love with Brandon Staley and the media, because he was nice to him, fell in love with him. But I'm done giving him that slack. Like, he's just a bad coach. He's just a bad coach. There's there's no other way around it. He's a bad coach. Because the two things he came in and he said, these are what I am, this is what we're going to do, is run the ball and play defense. And outside of this week, and this week alone, they started running the ball this week. Okay, good for them. But their defense is terrible. Their defense is absolutely terrible. They cannot stop anybody. And I get Joey Bose is gone, and I get they're injured, and I get it. But, like, J.C. Jackson has been terrible. He's been terrible for the money they're playing him. And I, I, I just – it hurts my soul because, outs, you know – snowed over by terrible coaching and terrible defense is yet another magical Justin Herbert performance where he just looks like one of the top three best quarterbacks in the NFL. And it's like, what, what are we doing here? Like at what point are you going to realize you have a generational superstar and move on? Like I'm to the point where if things don't majorly turn around and they don't make a deep playoff run, I think anything less than a conference championship for them this year should result in a coaching change. I don't know if you feel that same way or not. No, and I, I'm not going to disagree with you because I've been turned off by the Chargers, you know, all throughout the year this year because it's literally, and I hate to say this, the same old Chargers, man. It's the same old Chargers. It is. It is. The same old Chargers. 
I mean, there's no I way. I wanted so badly for that to not be the case, Trey. <laughs> it, it, you should not be throwing away the rookie contract of a young, playmaking, good quarterback. And that's what the Chargers are doing right now. I mean, and you spoke about it, alluded to their defense. Their defense just sucks, man. Yeah, it's terrible. Sucks. And I think that really just goes and calls into the question of was Brandon Staley's whole uh, success in L.A. really carried by the personnel he had? Was it really? Uh, that's just starting to seep into my mind now. But I, I just don't know, man. That defense sucks. Jason Jackson looks bad, and he really keeps on pushing the narrative that every that Bill Belichick scheme literally helped so many secondary players, man. Why do you think Devin McCourty has stayed there in his entire career, man? He know he knows where it's at. He knows he knows where he needs to be and where he needs to stay. I just it's the same old Chargers right now. Um, and that don't don't even get me started on Brandon Staley and his whole blind love for analytics where he's going for it on fourth down in stupid situations and almost costing this team. It's just a mess right now, despite the wins that they've gotten. It's a mess. A, a big, fat mess. And I don't know if the Chargers are going to rack themselves out of it and pull themselves out of it. Because simply, I don't know if they have the mentality necessary to do so. But until they show that they're done making the same stupid mistakes that's literally held down this franchise in the modern history uh, or in their modern history, then they're just the same old charges to me. I'm just not putting any stock into them whatsoever. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to put any stock into them. You're absolutely right. Like, yeah, it's it's tough. Okay, here, I, I've got to take him, and we'll, we'll do one more piece after this one. Um, I know, I know by and large, they've been awesome. And I know it's only been two weeks. But in the back of my head, there's just a tickler file that's been activated. And, and it, that file reads, is the Eagles offense actually that good? Or did they just run into a bunch of teams that hadn't seen it before and now the league's adjusted a little bit? Because their last two weeks have not been good. They Now they did move the ball super well on the ground against the Jaguars, so I'll give them that. But the offense wasn't great. Now, wasn't great. Jalen Hurts had almost 250 yards passing. But you only score 20 points. You failed to get the job done in the red zone a few times. I get learning to win in different ways, but going into this week, they have a huge matchup against arguably the best defense in the NFC in the Cowboys. I'm just a little bit worried that the Eagles offense is not quite what we saw in the first three weeks, and it's a little bit more average than what was advertised. No, that's actually a pretty unknown concern to me. Um, and it's an interesting point. Um, I, I'm sure we were all ready to crown the Eagles as one of the you know crazy surprises in the NFC, 
during the first three weeks was Jalen Hurts looked really, really good. A.J. Brown looked, looked like every bit the wide receiver one the team traded for. The running game was good, and the offensive line looked great. Uh, but like you said, over the last couple weeks, they ran in, into some trouble. Now, I won't, you know, jump on them and say, okay, everybody's figured out their offense, start ringing the alarms after these past couple of weeks, because uh, I don't think that's really fair. The real test for me in terms of my eyes is how this offense will go and play against, you know, good defenses like they're playing against on Sunday night in the Dallas Cowboys. If that offense looks good against the Cowboys, then we can just throw those concerns in the bag and just say those two weeks were maybe, maybe um, just some off weeks for this offense. But if they look bad or, you know, unimpressive, then I'll bring that into consideration, uh, your point that you just said. Because it's actually pretty interesting to talk about uh, considering just the state of the offense and how good it was looking over the first couple of weeks of the season. Yeah, and I, I think it's right to give them another week. I think that's right. They're a 5-0 and team. They're very good. Dallas's secondary is a little bit questionable. You can throw on them a little bit if you get the protection right, and I think the offensive line in Philadelphia is very, very good. But to me, I I don't know about you, Trey. Well, I'll talk with Mason on Friday on on our on our preview show. But to me, I this if you would have told me in week one when Dak Prescott got injured that I would be absolutely hyped for Eagles Cowboys in week six, I would have said absolutely no way. But this is one of the games I'm most excited to watch this week. I think it's gonna be a great one. Yeah, it should. And I'm actually really excited just to see this. I'm actually excited about watching this Dallas defense each and every week because I was really, you know, sort of slowly picking, like, leaning towards picking them to win against the Rams this past Sunday. But I didn't because I just didn't know how many points the Cowboys offense would be able to produce. Gosh, man, now, that Dallas defense is something nasty. I mean, Michael Parsons looks good. Um, I don't know if Demarcus Lawrence played on Sunday, but in the game that I did watch him, man, he looked good. I mean, this entire defense just looks fantastic. I mean, Trevor and Trevon Diggs, um, the knack on him was that despite the turnovers and interceptions he had last year, he wasn't a good corner uh, technically wise in, in terms of being a good corner and actually um, not allowing the bunch of yards that he allowed last year. He looks much better um, as a corner specifically this year. So I, I don't know what happened over the offseason. Maybe Dan Quinn is a miracle worker, but that defense just looks fantastic, man. Fantastic. I'm loving it. Yeah. I, it's wild to me he did not get a head coaching job next year, last year, but this year he's definitely getting one. It's just the way it's oh, going to yeah. be. He'll definitely at least get some consideration, 100%. No, I, I think he's a lock to, like, with what he's done, That that's the best group on Dallas's team, and it might be the best group overall in the NFC. There aren't many impressive offenses in that league right now. Like, and if, if they shut down the Eagles, like, forget about it, dude. Like, this Dallas group is the best position group in the NFC if they can figure out how to shut down the Eagles on Sunday night football and win that game. So I think uh, that's just something to 
look out for as uh, as the season continues to progress. All right, give me one more, and then I'll give you one that I, I know that we'll both agree on and we'll have some fun with, and then we'll get out of here. <laughs> um, gee, I certainly did not expect Geno Smith to look like one of the best quarterbacks in football. Ah, uh, yes, Geno. Good gosh. Oh, holy cow. Yeah. He is. He's a top he 10 is. quarterback. He's I, I, I mean, you can't even argue against that. He's been fantastic, man. I just didn't expect. And, of course, he sat and watched and learned over these past, what, four or five years, half decade. As a backup, he's seen some things, learned things, of course. But, goodness gracious, man, he looks amazing. <laughs> and I'll say that with so much excitement because it's such an awesome story. I mean, Gino Smith drafted to the Jets, didn't have the best time there, went around the league, found a way in Seattle as a backup, replaces Russell Wilson, who is a franchise icon and legend, nine Pro Bowls in the two years he played there. Uh, and he just, first off, he outplays him in week one in Russell Wilson's return game to Seattle, outplays him, looks like the better quarterback, then keeps on doing it. Over the next few weeks, I mean, I I didn't expect the Seahawks to look as competitive as they did against the Saints because the Saints still, you know, despite the whole quarterback crap that they're going through, the Saints still have a pretty good defense. So, so to see him just slice and dice that defense up and just make some of the throws he's making, cross his body bullets, uh, accurate throws to the sideline, dropping in buckets of deep throws in between three defenders down the field. I mean, we weren't seeing him making these plays earlier in his career. So it's certainly been fun to watch Gino Smith. And you can only feel happy for the guy after the way his career has panned out. Um, got knocked down, picked himself back up, and he's finding success. So that's all you can wish for for guys like that in this league. So um, here's the Geno Smith playing like a top 10 quarterback so far this year. And here's to help continue it moving forward because that would certainly be fun to watch. It's crazy they lost that game. Yeah. It's crazy they lost that. And because of you and I, a guy that we have, who would have thought? I know we both hate him. And I know we just can't stand. Who would have thought Taysom Hill, arguably throughout this whole year, has been one of the most important players on the Saints' offense. And Sean Payton isn't even there anymore. Yeah, Sean Payton's literally laughing and cackling right now. Like, like at what point are you and I just going to eat humble pie and say, oh, yeah, Taysom Hill's like a decent NFL offensive role player that you should give at least 10 to 15 touches a game with the football. He -hmm. is such a dynamic power runner. That last touchdown he scored, I cannot believe how good he looked on that. I I mean, I know that he's not the best in the world, but playing him at running back and tight end is not a terrible strategy. Just not a terrible strategy. And there's occasionally he throws. He's thrown a touchdown this year. So, you know, I'm just saying, Taysom Hill, at least for the Saints, he's going to be around for many, many years to come. Yeah, uh, I look fun story, but I'm not biting the bullet on that. I'm never biting the bullet on that because, dude, I, it's time. Like I he's proven it. 
I can't express. Hey, I have watched a lot of the Saints this year. Outside of Michael Thomas, he has been their most important player offensively. Yeah, that might be true. But and I he has put up get... the most. Uh, he has put up more explosive plays on this offense than even Michael Thomas has. I mean, Michael Thomas is made of glass. So. I know, but like, it's time to give this man Taysom some respect. I'm just saying. It. Look, man, I will not get rid of the notion and the feeling of how useless I think he still is, man. He's so definitely look, not useless. You can hey, not man. throw that term around anymore. Hey, man, look, I don't look, Come on, I don't like Taysom Hill. I don't like Taysom Hill, okay? That's I don't like point. Taysom Hill either. I think he's extremely annoying, but there is no doubt about it that he is an important NFL player. Whatever, man. Uh, okay. I mean, we'll see long term, but let's. Ju- I just want to here. Let me give you some over unders on Taysom Hill really quick, and then we can move to our last point here. Taysom right. Hill stats. Let's just pull it up right now. All right, here we go. Regular season so far. This is all passing. Let's get to the ESPN page so I can take a look. Receiving, rushing. This is what I want. As a rusher, just as a pure runner this year. Overall, he has... I'm trying to get it. Come on, man. Uh, Okay, so currently sits at, let's just call it, 250 yards over four games. uh, With five touchdowns. Let's say Taysom Hill over under 550 and a half yards and nine and a half touchdowns. I'm not, look, Eric, I'm sorry. Look, he's definitely getting 250 more yards this year. Eric. He's halfway there to 500. No matter what you say to me, this is one of the few NFL things I'm going to be stubborn on. All right. No matter what you say to me, I'll never find the use in Taysom Hill. I'm just telling I'll you, dude, he's a real him. player. I'll never find the use in him, ever. I'm not going to sit here and, and act like Taysom Hill is a useful football player. Because he is. I, I never have looked at him that way, and I never will. My, my concern and my loathe for Taysom Hill goes back far deeper than you can imagine, Eric. The days of him sneaking it up at BYU, I just know. It's not happening. I'm never giving him that satisfaction. I'm never giving his name that satisfaction. It sounds petty. It sounds childish, which it is, but I don't care. I'm never giving him that satisfaction whatsoever. No matter what you say, you will make me step away from the stance that I'm taking. It's not happening. It, it's just not happening. So so look, Eric, I'm, you can keep on trying. You can keep on throwing me stats in the face. If he throws together a full one-year sample size of good stats, I'll just say it's a fluke year. If he puts together two years of good year-long stats, then I'll just say whatever and say it's fake, Eric. I'm not right. giving any Fine. satisfaction to Taysom Hill. Never in my life will I do that. Fine. 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 Never. Ah. 
Okay. Well, finally, please, 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 NFL, end the Cliff Kingsbury experience. Please, like, and, 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 and honestly, this is something I've come around on lately, and the Kyler Murray experiment, too. Yeah. Because... Kyler Murray is not a good NFL quarterback. And people that think he is, Trey, who are telling me he's some otherworldly player is just like, they're just like crazy to me. Yeah. Look. Uh, oh, man. I forgot what I was even going to say because it just got on my nerves, man. Oh, here it is. I don't want to see Cliff Kingsbury ever roam an NFL sideline ever again after he inevitably gets canned and deservedly so by the Arizona Cardinals. I don't want to see Kyler Murray being taken seriously ever again unless he stops being a weirdo when things get tough on the football field. That entire duo is literally thing one and thing two. Dumb and dumber. Twiddly D and twiddly dumb. Useless, worthless, not any, not anything close to being worth spending my time on because they choke. They're not good at consistently doing their jobs. Cliff Kingsbury is once again proving just how much of a, I, I just don't, don't even know the word. I, I just don't understand how he keeps getting away with what he does. He got extended for it. He got extended for being bad at his job. I wish I could do that. I wish I could work in an office, put hand in a, a crap a, a crap ton of dumb reports over a month and say I want a I want a hundred dollar raise and get it. I'd be Cube living lavishly. there for you, brother. I'd be living lavishly. I wouldn't have to hustle. I'd be living lavishly. I wish I didn't get rewarded because Kyle Murray. Because I I wish I didn't. I wish I got rewarded for doing the bare minimum. And doing absolutely nothing else except for one fluke year like Kyler Murray did. The Cardinals had no choice but to extend them because if they didn't, they had no other options to go for a quarterback. No no other feasible and realistic options. So they extended Murray, and now you're getting the result that you paid for. If every person in this horse crap country that still just does not give everybody the rightful opportunities when it comes to securing financial, uh, healthy financial situations so they won't have to hustle and work two jobs just to survive, we'd all be living like Kyler Murray, man. We'd all, we'd all be living like Cliff Kingsbury, doing the bare minimum and doing nothing when the pressure gets high and the pressure's on, man. We'd all be living lavishly, man. Eric, we'd be set up in a, a fancy studio, man, making thousands of dollars doing this podcast. And hey, it might not be the highest grossing one, but it'd still give us money. We'd still be living comfortably, but we don't. And it's unfair that Colin Mary and Cliff, Spink, Cliff Kingsbury do. Dang shame, huh? Dang shame. They are, they're averaging 
25 points per game with with a quote-unquote top 10 quarterback and a quote-unquote offensive genius. Maybe they DeAndre have, Hopkins should be... They, they have not broken 30 points one time this year. They, they have only won two games. One, they've got lucky in overtime against the Raiders that Hunter Renfro fumbles. Because if he doesn't fumble, honestly, the Raiders are probably winning that game. And they beat the Panthers. Yeah. I mean, their next four games are this. Seahawks, Saints, Vikings, Seahawks. I'm going to pick them to go on four in that stretch. I really am. Because one, one, they can't beat the Seahawks ever. They are never able to beat the Seahawks. Pete Carroll owns Cliff Kingsbury. And two, the Saints are good, are going to get a win. And the Vikings are a decent enough offense. So I'm I'm just saying I'm I'm kind of done with the Cardinals. I I I don't want to see them in the playoffs. I don't want to talk about them anymore. They're just a weird franchise that yep. needs to realize this. And 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 you know, they'll they'll talk themselves into Kyler Murray because they gave him all that money. And they'll mm-hmm. say, Oh, we just they'll fire Cliff Kingsbury after this year, and they'll say, Oh, let's do it with someone else next year. And everyone will hype up Kyler Murray all offseason, but not me. I know this guy's a mid quarterback on a mid team that's not going anywhere. So I I I I'm with you. I I, I I appreciated that Trey Rand. Yeah, I mean, look, is the opposites of DeAndre Hopkins really that significant? I mean, Marquise Brown has been point. good for Hollywood Brown has been really good for them. He's arguably yeah. had, had a career year, and yet they're still not a functioning NFL offense. Hmm. That should tell you everything you need to know. Yeah, still stinky then. I don't want to talk about these guys ever again. I really don't. Pisses me off, frankly. All right. Well, Trey, thanks for joining me. This has been a lot of fun per usual. Yes, sir. Where can people find your stuff these days? Let's give a quick shout out and then we can get out of here. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at TreyWalkins099. Usually tweet about Titans. Tennessee football, which I'm very, very excited about this weekend. Um, oh, dude, I hate to break it to you. I don't know. don't talk to me. Don't break my dreams you right s- now. You don't said you were emotionally me. detached. The one me. program you should be detached from emotionally Let's, this week is Eric, Tennessee football. Eric, because Alabama is going to come in and they're going to lay a whooping on you. I mean, it's not going to be close. The fact Alabama's only favored by seven points. Alabama minus seven is an absolute lock. No way in hell this game stays close. Just ignoring everything you just said. I'm just going to continue on what I was saying. I'm I'm not not letting any negativity in my sphere of consciousness regarding Tennessee football because I'm finally happy again. I'm 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 actually happy again with this program that's put me through the deck hey, gutter for hey, years. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm hey, not hitting any negativity. Don't no. get me wrong. Big time matchup I, against I, Alabama this weekend. Having a very ten, excited. Having very a ten excited. win. Having you, a ten win season and losing to Alabama and Georgia. That's a great year for Tennessee. 
but don't 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 put yourself into any delusions. You are not a king of the SEC. You're not some playoff dark horse. You are a team that is going to beat the mid SEC this year because the conference outside the top two is mid. And then when you have to play Georgia, you're going to get smacked by Georgia. And when you have to play Alabama, you're going to get smacked by Alabama. It's just the way it's going to be. Anyways. Emotionally detach yourself. I'm trying to make you not be hurt. You gave me this whole diatribe before we started about how, oh, I'm not emotionally attached to any of my sports teams anymore. You're clearly emotionally attached. I said specific sports teams earlier, man. I, I literally, I, anyways, like I was saying, sorry about that big game this weekend. Let me give her my hand, my Twitter handle because that went on far too long. Twitter at Trey Watkins 099. Find me there. I tweet about Titans, Tennessee football, Yankees when I'm not feeling depressed about them, especially Barcelona. I'm, geez, no. Um, Barcelona, of course. Um, Find my articles there as well. Writing for A to Z Sports, a nice local website here in Nav in Nashville that's expanded to a lot of different markets across the country, covering many different teams. Um, find me on A to Z Sports. Um, that's where I put mo- uh, every all my Titans content now. So of course there as well. Um, it's about it though. It's about it for me. Who does Barca play tomorrow? They play Inter. Ooh. I'm not too that nasty back 10. Mm. Not excited. Yeah, yeah, Inter's. I like Inter. I watch a lot of Serie A, and Inter's kind of my Serie A team. Very boring team. Very boring team to watch. Spies watching it. Not a fun time watching Inter and Serie A. Uh, but I'll tell you this much. That man, Rapid Lemwindowski, are you enjoying him? Because I'm. I am. I, I love that man. I miss him, and I'm going to tune in tomorrow and hope he scores a hat for, for you. I hope he does. Because if he doesn't, we're screwed. You're going to get a win. I can feel it. Barca, I hope we do. Barca's, on, do. Barca's on the right track. Just positive vibes. Yes, sir. Positive vibes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. We'll be back on Friday. And look for some maybe NBA content coming early next week. Until then, we'll see you later. Follow us on Twitter at EndZonePod. Peace out.